the right one. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to part two of Alyssa helping us out right now. It's your host, Kay Did, and we're going to get into ledgers, deposits, and things in, of that nature. So, Alyssa? Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks so much, Khadija. I'm, I'm happy to um, continue the conversation and talk about a couple of things that we didn't get to the last time. Um, when we stopped talking, um, Khadija and I started discussing um, security deposits, which we didn't talk about related to leases. So maybe I'll start there and then you could ask me other questions. But we wanted to touch on that because the security deposit is also something that would be reflected on your lease. If you, if you leave a cash security deposit, that's usually equivalent to one month's rent. So if your rent is $1,500 and you give them $1,500 of your own money, um, that is money that you are either um, subject to receive back at the end of your lease term, should your unit apartment unit be in good condition and they don't need to use it to make any big repairs. Um, or if they need to make some big repairs, they do need to tell you how much and if they're going to be using all of the $1,500 or um, a portion of the $1,500, and then you get the balance back. Um, it's different if you have an HRA security voucher. If the voucher, if you have a voucher that's issued to your landlord um, or property manager, then that's not real cash or currency that's exchanged. Um, and that's not anything that you are subject to receive at the end of your lease. That is essentially a piece of paper that says um, that HRA is indicating that, I'll use myself, that Alyssa is eligible or is being covered with the security voucher for up to $1,500. So that means at the end of my lease, if I there are issues in my apartment and the management company needs to spend more than, you know, painting and regular cleanup, they can submit to HRA to recoup costs up to $1,500. Um, if they don't use all $1,500, then they don't use all $1,500. The balance doesn't go to anyone. It's just not being used. So if your apartment does not need any additional work and they don't need to use that money, you don't receive it. I don't receive it as a renter either because it's not money it's a it's a voucher so um that's something that i think comes up a lot and is a little bit unclear so again if hra issues a voucher on on your behalf it's not anything you're subject to receive at the end of your lease it's really for the landlord to kind of um work with the city if they need to access more funds to make repairs to the apartment that you vacated at the end of your lease term that's good information because as she said, we were talking about it before, and I was like, I'll be, I'll just ask the question, like, would I get that money back? And I'm thinking I'm gonna get like a, you know, a buttload of money back to be able to help myself in my next place. And apparently I'm not. So I'm happy uh -oh. to know that. <laughs> yes. And I don't have to really clean the walls after I leave my apartment. <laughs> 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 so that saves money on paint myself and cleaning anything up because paint and crayon, not paint, but crayons, markers are easy to clean up, but crayons are much hard to clear off your walls so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's a good thing I get to learn about right now so but when you're in like NYCHA apartments or anything what does what HRA you know kind of thing you don't get that money back but you're in a regular apartment long you leave the apartment good guys you get your money back so make sure you leave your apartment as good as they give it to you one thing I learned from a lot of court shows take videos of anything in your take your video of a whole all apartment before you put anything in there take yes. a video of the closets, the sinks, you'd be surprised what people can bring up in court. I watch a lot of court shows. 
honestly, they broke this, but really it was broken before you moved, moved yes. in, but they didn't, you didn't know. Go through your apartment, put on all the faucets. That might sound crazy, but people really bring certain things to court and try to put it on you and really, you only was there for a year and the problem was there two, three years ago and they just don't want to pay for it because they're being mm-hmm. lazy. So um, look on the floor because they could charge you for that and say you were doing too much on the floor and that's why the wood or tile broke. Look on everything in your apartment, closets, sinks, bathrooms, rooms. You'd be very surprised. Just be, just make that happy fact. I'm just saying. And when you leave, after you clean up, do another video when you leave. When you do a walkthrough with the um, with the landlord, do a walkthrough. That's what they're supposed to be doing when you leave. But COVID, for some places, is kind of different because of everything happening. But make sure a walkthrough is basically when you leave your apartment and everything is out on the last day. Um, you get to go around the apartment and see, so they can see that they left everything back in the same condition that you left it. It's normal wear and tear for certain. If you live in an apartment for 20 years and the carpet looking kind of shabby now, that's normal wear and tear. Mm-hmm. But if it's like, oh, you lived there for a year and the whole faucet sink is on the floor, that's not normal wear and tear. So you have to be um, just, it's not your place. Just take care of what you're, you're having and renting at the time. And when you walk through with the person, videotape um, after or before if you want so you can make sure you have things to court because they can also go to court and say this, this, that is not done and you have proof because we have it all in the video mm-hmm. so yes so with the leisure next how does that work yes um, and that's super wise advice to have your own records of what things look like um, so with the ledgers um, these are these can be confusing so I can talk about it in kind of broad terms because every company, um, they might maintain their ledgers a little bit different. So this is like the record of your rent, the like accounting of it and the payments. So if you have, if you're, if you're getting, you're getting your monthly rent statements, right? So you'll see you owe X amount of dollars and here is your balance. If you see that you have like a super high balance um, and you get like city FEPS or something and you don't want to ignore that because that means that something is going wrong. That means that payments are not getting to your landlord. Um, and that's a problem because like I said, in the first um, conversation, you as the renter are responsible for the city FEPS payments, even though it's not coming out of your pocket, it's tied to your HRA account. So therefore you're responsible for making sure that they're getting to the landlord. So Again, if you see a high balance on your monthly rent statement, you want to kind of do a little investigating. You can do that by requesting a rent ledger from your property management company. So you contact whoever your contact is. You should have that information up front or it should be listed on your monthly rent statement bill. Um, And you can request a rent ledger, which will show all of the charges, so your monthly rent charges, and then it should also show all of the um, the money that they've received on your behalf, um, whether from your tenant portion payments that you've made, or from the shelter allowance, or from city thefts. Um, so when you get that, you'll see the monthly charges. Those should remain stable. So if your rent is $1,500, um, you should see just $1,500 the first of every month, the beginning of every month, $1,500 is a charge, 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 right? That's normal. That's what you should see. Where you want to pay attention to, or you want, one, you want to make sure that that's right, that the number is correct, um, that you're being charged the right rental amount. Um, Two, you want to pay attention to um, the, the, 
the incoming money to them, the credits. So there are a couple of ways to do this. Um, you'll see if you have shelter allowance, again, they're usually a pretty fixed number. So like 141.50 is a standard number twice a month. So it totals $282, $283, sorry. Um, so you wanna see those numbers coming through. Um, you could compare that to your access HRA. If you see on your access HRA or on your HRA account elsewhere that like, you know, I'm seeing these shelter allowance pay payments going through every month, but I'm not seeing it reflected on my, um, my rent ledger, then you want to go back to HRA and ask if those checks were cashed. Um, you could compare the like check number. So there should be like, it, it's similar to like a personal checking account. There should be a unique number um, next to every uh, like shelter allowance payment on your rent ledger. So it should just be a quick reference. One, that's for the property manager. Um, so they're uniquely recording every payment that comes in. But two, it's a way for you to compare what's on your HRA account to what's on your ledger. So I'm just making this up. But if it says like, you know, October 5th, um, there was a payment for 141.50 and next to the like, it's, I don't know how they're going to call it. They might call it shelter allowance or PA or something. And then it should say like, you know, the number, a number sign and then like 0045672. And then you could, should be able to go back to your HRA account and see 0047672. And then that way, you know that those two match up. Um, if you see that there are several months where things are not being paid, um, again, you want to go back to HRA and see what's going on. Why are my payments not going through? Um, and sa the same thing applies for city FEPs because that usually covers the bulk of um, one's rent portion. You want to, one, make sure every month it's coming through and checking it off and kind of keeping track. And two, if it's not, going back to HRA and figuring out why, like what's happening, where is my rent? Um, this is important because again, I think that there's maybe not a full understanding of how the subsidies work. And again, if you see like a rent bill for $6,000 and you're assuming that, well, that doesn't mean anything to me because HRA is supposed to be paying my rent. Well, it's, it, again, it falls on your on, on you to make sure that HRA is paying your rent. And I, I don't agree with that system um, or kind of that, that model, but that's, how it works right now. So that's kind of what we have to work within. And we wanna be sure that renters have an understanding of this so that they could avoid problems um, in eviction or the facing eviction uh, down the road. Um, any questions with that? No, there's no question with that one. Okay, so um, different for NYCHA or section eight, Again, most rental, most property managers and landlords will record the two subsidies separately. So you will not, you, you usually won't see the full rent. You'll just see your portion. So you just want to be sure that you're paying your portion every month and it should be pretty, it should be much more square and kind of easier to identify. Um, and similarly, though, for all subsidies, you want to be sure that you're paying your portion of the rent. Um, I understand that that can be difficult. Um, at times, uh, but I think, you know, it's, it, it's a good idea to try your best. How can you figure out how to pay the rent? Is it setting aside $20 each week, $100 each week, whatever the case may be is to get to that 80 or, or $400. Um, 
because if it comes down to it and you are facing a non-payment eviction proceeding, you want to be able to prove that you paid your portion of the rent. Um, or if there's an issue on the rent ledger, you know, you want to be able to demonstrate that, well, I paid my portion and keep your records. Um, I think a lot of people pay their, their rent with money orders, which is fine. But I think that if it's not credited or something goes wrong, then you have to go and trace the money order. And that could be a little bit like of a lengthy process and it's, it can be frustrating. So to the extent that you're able to hand deliver your rent payments, if, if, you want to pay in a money order and kind of get a receipt that it was paid from the, the front desk person. Um, or if you can make payments online through your bank, uh, those sorts of things, you know, those might be a little bit safer as far as maintaining the record and kind of accuracy. Yes. With NYCHA, they break it down into which is which. They have a separate yeah. name for... Um, well, my apartment, apartment building doesn't have Section 8 with the NYCHA, but they break it down with the um, the, the shelter allowance. And then they put then I, my half that I own. And that's how I see it breaking down on my side. Mm-hmm. It's always good to use, like, checks. People, a lot of people don't use, like, checks as often, but NYCHA, you could do it online so you could get it right out of your bank. Mm-hmm. With the rent, especially from, like, as, again, I, I watch a lot of court shows. Mm-hmm. People come there with rent problems all the time. What I understand if what I see when you particularly go in front of a judge, always make sure you get receipts, especially if you're paying in money, which you probably shouldn't be paying in money. But um, if you're paying in money, make sure as the money leave your hand, you get a receipt in the next hand. Mm-hmm. You need to always have a backup. And if you think you might lose a receipt, take a picture of it because we all tend to keep everything on Google anyway or Apple, you know, backup. So that would be a good way to always have it in case ex- – for maybe is if you're right in the room and they go in the room and try to get look for your receipts. Like, you know, just a crazy person. And they take a receipt and say, oh, they didn't pay the rent. There's no receipts. But you have the pictures in your phone and they don't know that. That might sound kind of crazy, but you'd be surprised what kind of landlords you have. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Um, I had a landlord who went my room, got rented a room, and she went in there all the time when I wasn't there and just did things without me knowing. It wasn't a receipt thing, but... It could have been, you never know. Could have been. Yeah. Things in my room so she couldn't find it just in case she tried to act crazy. Mm. So um, it's always good to make sure you have receipts, 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 because when you go in front of a, a judge, they want they don't want to take your word for it. They don't know who you are. They don't know who this landlord is. They can mm-hmm. only do by the facts, and the facts are usually on the paper, printouts of what information are, like bank statements and things like that. So that's really um, what you need to really prove your case. In case. Hopefully it doesn't have to come to that point, but Yes. Mm-hmm. So what else do you have for the people, Lisa? Um, well, I think that I think I want to really like that idea of taking the picture of the receipt and ensuring you get a receipt. Um, you know, there are a lot of apps and ways to organize pictures now so you could label everything September, October, November 2021. So then it's easy to access. Um, I think just keeping all those things in one place are it's important. So then again, you could call on it and make sure that your account is kind of all squared away. Um, and then the, the last thing I would maybe talk about is the relationship with the property manager. So, you know, every, every landlord for the most part, unless it's a super small building, there's a property management company. So those are your everyday day day-to-day people and contacts that you'll work with. So they usually supervise and oversee the superintendent, the porters, whoever else works in your building. So um, 
you know, you want to have a good, a good relationship with them. And I don't say that in the sense that like, if you feel like they're not responding to you that you need to, um, you know, like them. I don't, I'm not saying that you need to like them. I'm saying that their role is important. So you want to do your best to maintain, you know, a neutral relationship with them at best because, you know, they're humans, right? So they can choose to not respond to you. And again, I don't want this to sound like I'm saying you need to put up with really bad behavior from them. But in terms of like accounting and things like that, you want to be able to go to them with your questions and have get answers. And if you have repairs, you want to be able to um, make those requests and so on and so forth. And if they need access to your apartment for something that maybe you don't know about, maybe there's a leak that they need to check out that's affecting another floor, um, you know, you want to be able to work with them on that because the health of the building is indicative of the health of your apartment, but it kind of, you know, the environment of it. Um, and I know that, that management companies can be unresponsive. I know that they can be irresponsible and I know that they can kind of just like ignore you. Um, what do you do? I think that, you know, you could always call 311 that sometimes can help. Um, there's also home base, um, Emails are always really good because it keeps a record of you reaching out to them. Um, I know some management companies have like phone numbers to call for repairs and that feels like an unreliable source. Uh, so you could always ask for the email. What is the email? What's the email? My property manager, uh, the exact person so that you're not just emailing some inbox. If you could get an advocate, so like home base might be a resource or other um other like organizing groups, tenant organization groups, you might even want to start or think about talking to your neighbors about like collective kind of action. I'm not necessarily saying organizing because that's like a whole different thing, although I, I'm not against that, but it's just more what can you kind of manage and take on. But if you're in communication with your neighbors about like ongoing issues, you can maybe problem solve together about how to kind of get attention to them. But again, I think it comes down to you know, having records of your communication so that you can demonstrate, well, I've been trying to contact you for three months about this, should it come down to it, um, and really escalating things as as necessary. Um, and having a relationship with the super, you know, they can usually be pretty useful um, if you have, have an issue and, and you see them around. Definitely, if something's happening in your apartment also, this is, this might sound this again. I watch a lot of court shows. If you have a problem with your apartment and it's not getting fixed, make sure a lot of things are in writing or in email because mm -hmm. that can be trapped more and it's not a word of mouth. That mm -hmm. you know, you could call them, yes, but make sure you have a text or emails to kind of back up and say, I did inform the people about this problem and it never got fixed. Um, that might sound so bad, but it's just like people try to get away with a lot of things, especially landlords about certain things. So I'm saying all landlords are bad, but some are kind of scammy and they want you to pay for stuff or it has been a problem for months. And then when you pay for it, they could have made it a simple fix right away, but it ended up being a $3,000 problem later because they didn't take care of the problem right away. And they want you to take flip the bill for it and it's not fair. So mm -hmm. um, that's another thing to keep um, in your mind when you're talking about certain problems in your apartment. Um, for NYCHA, they have a certain phone number you can call to um, document those things. And usually in their app for NYCHA that you, any complaint you have made, 
I have gone up the food chain with a lot of stuff in NYCHA. So if the, the what do you call the initial number and it doesn't work, mm-hmm. you can find other ways to go up the food chain to get to different things to get finally get it done. Because I've have, had to do that before and I didn't want to do it. But it was the problem wasn't getting solved. It was months and months and months. And it's like, I need this particular item or thing to be done in my apartment. I have a six-year-old kid, or at the time she was five, and they weren't doing it. So I had to, you know, put things in my own hand to get it done. Some things you have to be, sometimes you have to be an advocate for yourself to make sure things, to make sure your living conditions are the best. Because you don't want to be paying rent for something and the thing is not even working for you. It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's what kind yeah. of, um, you know, things will happen here, everywhere in the world, really, to kind of help you. And I think in New York City, especially the housing, um, people are pretty cool about like seeing that kind of thing go through. Also, can you talk about a little bit about evictions and how that might work in New York City? Yeah, for sure. Really quick though, because you just made me think of this. Um, if you have, because you talked about rent and not wanting to pay, if you are wanting to withhold your rent because of repairs, you, you need to have that rent money available. Otherwise it's not withholding rent. It's just not paying your rent. So keep that in mind. Cause I see this come up sometimes where it's like, well, I'm not, I don't want to pay because of the conditions that's fair, legitimate and real. However, if you don't have the money available in another account or in your account and, you know, accounted for then it's not withholding, it's just not paying. And therefore you will be subject for, non-payment eviction so while it might sound the same if you if you have the money set aside and you are also then um sued through non-payment eviction you're able to say look i have all this money in my bank account here it is um i'm just waiting for the repairs then that's a very different position than well i didn't pay because of the repairs and so on and so forth like it's an argument but and the judge will usually mandate the repairs to be made but um you're not withholding in that case, you're just not paying, um, which leads into evictions. So how do evictions work? Well, right now they're a little fuzzy because of the pandemic. So, um, and the rules are constantly changing. The moratorium, I believe goes through the end of the year. So that just means that, um, it doesn't mean that eviction filings can't happen, that landlords can't start eviction proceedings. It means that they can't happen until 2022 um, as of now that could change also. Um, So usually uh, landlords will use like a 90 day, 60 or 90 day um, threshold. So if if for non-payment cases, so if you haven't paid your rent in either 60 or 90 days, it could be different, but that's just usually the, um, the, uh, the number that a lot of people use then they can start eviction proceedings. So they could send you a demand letter that says, hey, you haven't paid your rent. Um, This is how much you owe. This is when we need to have it by, contact us, you know, please. If not, then we're going to start, you know, the legal case. Um, If you receive a letter like that, you wanna contact either the attorney that sent it to you or the property management company or both. Um, That's not something you wanna ignore because usually you could talk to them about like, um, you know, hey, I get city FIPS and it looks like they haven't paid. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And then you want to maintain communication about what you're doing to figure it out. Because if you don't maintain that communication um, or if you don't respond initially, then they, they will just move forward with the eviction proceeding case um, for non-payment. So that's also another series of um, 
uh, notices to you in the mail that you need to respond to, ultimately resulting in you need to respond at the court, um, indicating like what's going on and why, you know, what, what you've done. And then they will give you a court date for an appearance. And that's when like kind of the uh, case starts before a judge. With the new right to counsel, um, most folks who receive a subsidy would be eligible to receive um, support from an attorney. So, you know, that's something that you should know about and be sure that you're assigned an attorney if you're eligible for one. You could also do a Google for that right to counsel NYC and see kind of what the most up-to-date information and kind of eligibility requirements are. Um, but once you're in court, that's when they're going to say you owe $10,000 and you know, we haven't received any money or efforts. So at that point, you have a couple of options. You could do like a one-shot deal, or if city peps fell off your, your case, then you, you are going to have to go through the process of getting it back on your case and get the arrears paid and then pay the rent moving forward, all those types of things. So a lot of times the eviction case can be avoided if you notice that high rent bill and you look at your ledger and see where the problems are. And again, I understand that it's like, it's a really unjust system, but that's the world that we're in. And in order to kind of um, best position yourself, you want to address it before it gets to a court case. Um, landlords can also start a, a court proceeding for what's called a holdover. So if you violated some type of a rule or um, severely damaged uh, your apartment or created create problems in the apartment building, they can start a holdover case, um, which is they want to evict you for a reason other than non-payment of rent. Um, and those are usually a little bit more difficult to prove for the landlord, but you know, they do happen. So those are kind of, that's kind of like a brief overview of what evictions look like um, and can look like. But again, home base is really, if you do get the notice of eviction, Home base is really like the first stop you want to make. They're they're really good at and effective at stopping evictions and kind of getting that case closed out. But if you could avoid getting to that point by looking at your statements and paying attention to your ledgers, um, you know, I think we could be folks might be in a little bit of a more advantageous position. Definitely. Um, also, if you get evicted and you owe money, that could end up on your credit score. Yes. Just, I'm putting it out there. Um, you might not think it like, oh, I'm just owing this money. I'm kind of be spiteful. Mm -hmm. But if you owe the money, it will because it's money. <laughs> That's how all the credit stuff goes. It goes in your credit score and it can be on there for seven years. So if you don't mind not getting a house or just not getting another apartment in the next seven years, I guess it's okay. But you have to have somewhere to live eventually. And people are looking at this because they could see it's basically used as like a record of what you have done in the past seven years. If they see that you got evicted, they might think, oh, I'm gonna have to go get, a, get evicted with this person too. I might not get them the apartment. It might not seem fair, but people look at what you have done in the past to see what you're gonna do in the future. And mm -hmm. most time people will have the same path. They never don't, they don't veer off path usually with certain mm -hmm. things that they do. So that's why they look at those things. So just be very mindful um, when you're doing these things and trying to withhold rent and, you know, acting crazy that you know that this will be a strike against you in your credit score. And that's very important. People don't think mm -hmm. until they want something that is not important. If you want to get a refrigerator or unless you have all cash, a washing machine, 
there's certain things you they look at your credit score to see what you have there to see how much credit they're gonna credit line they'll if they're willing to give you and if these things are on it it will affect you in the long run so just be mindful of those things okay mm -hmm. so that's an excellent point i forgot about that that yeah that they will sue you for that money it doesn't just go away even if you move out of the apartment so thanks yeah so do you have any last word for the people who are listening uh, um uh you know i think just i think with the you know the rent bills and the statements it could be scary if you see a high number but i you know it's it's anxiety inducing for a lot of different reasons but i think if if you could try to figure it out what it is it'll pay off in the long run um so i encourage everyone to kind of to, to do that and rather than just let it build because it's going to create a problem down the road so and just yeah pay attention to those things to the best that, that you can um, and reach out to khadijah if you have any questions she's a great resource and all these things thank you so guys just make sure you advocate for yourself with a certain situation i think a lot of this the podcast you listen to is just about advocating and googling because knowledge is definitely power google is your friend i'm not gonna say everything on google is 100 percent a lot of information on Google can be able to help you and change your life for the better, to be honest. Um, if you want to find us and ask us any questions and things like that, you can go on Twitter and you can go on Instagram. We are very, well, I'm very active on there. I'm there at least once or twice a day or more. And it pops up on my phone, so I'll definitely see your um, question that you asked me. So I'll be able to get back to you as soon as possible. And... So every, all the links will be down below, okay? So thank you for coming back and I'll see you next week, guys. Bye.